We want to welcome you to episode number four of What We Believe and Why with pastor, author, and teacher, Dr. George Byron Koch. Last time, we began a discussion comparing sanctification and salvation and looking at what distinguishes those two elements of faith from each other. We hope it's an inspiring discussion as we continue that topic today. Here's George. We're going to press on today to understand the distinctions between salvation and sanctification and the essentials and non-essentials of the faith and how these are related. Important, really important material. Let's review again. Salvation is the essential, the if and only if, to begin life in Christ eternally. It isn't everything. And by that, I mean it doesn't include all of our growth in Christ. If our salvation is falsely redefined to include our personal efforts at growth in Christ, then it becomes salvation accomplished by us instead of by the one who did it, Jesus. Then these other things become a kind of works righteousness, the things we must do to earn our salvation or prove we are worthy. If any of them can do that for us, we don't need a Savior. We are our own saviors. Sanctification is different from salvation. But what has happened in the church endlessly over the centuries is that some have tried to blend sanctification into salvation. It's extremely important to distinguish between salvation and sanctification and not confuse one with the other. To begin a life in Christ requires salvation. Salvation is the center circle of our two concentric circles. The second circle is growth in Christ. How this new life becomes rich, abundant, character-building, filled with love, in the shelter of his arms, nourished by Scripture and the caring of other believers, empowered by the Holy Spirit working to heal the world and lead others to life in him. It is full of high adventure and dismal failure. It is where we try and trip and try again. It is where we desire not to sin and sin anyway. It is where we get confused and then see clearly. It is where we stumble and fall and are lifted up. It is where we doubt and wail and fight and are loved anyway. It is where we make huge mistakes and little ones, grow and seek harmony with God's will for us, where we will live as his body and trip over our own feet, where we are being conformed to his image and getting a little too proud of ourselves, yet are still loved by him and encouraged. It is where we are helped and help others This is sanctification. Most of this book, What We Believe and Why, most of these sessions are devoted to it. It is hugely, profoundly, deeply important. But sanctification is not salvation, and salvation is not dependent upon it. Sanctification is not a necessary condition and not a sufficient condition for salvation. If it was, then we repeatedly have to be our own saviors, and Christ's sacrifice for us was insufficient and pointless. Moreover, 
sanctification normatively follows salvation rather than preceding it. So it can't be a required condition that causes or precedes salvation. So salvation does not depend upon sanctification, on our good works or behavior or the perfection of our beliefs. Cleaning up this error in understanding within the church and theology is a healthy endeavor. May it take hold. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 from the New King James read this way, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This point is extraordinarily important to understanding who we are in Christ and, in a more academic way, to having our theology straight. Salvation is something Jesus does. It is not something we do. Now let's begin to look at life in Christ, covenant. Our complete life in Christ is also called by the title covenant. And by this, I don't refer to something known as covenant theology, just the simple use of the word covenant in Scripture. It denotes a committed relationship, like marriage or adoption. It includes three key parts, salvation, sanctification, and glorification. We'll study this third concept, glorification, a little later on. For now, just hold it open as a category yet to be defined. Our active life in Christ begins with salvation, is lived out as we mature through sanctification, and is made full with glorification. You might think of it as three boxes next to each other, each one with a label, left to right, salvation, sanctification, glorification, and there's an arrow which goes left to right. Life begins with salvation. Life in Christ begins with salvation. It proceeds through sanctification, that is, learning to live and love like Jesus, and it fulfills in glorification, which we will return to in a bit. That's pretty straightforward, and it can be a useful concept or a picture for us in comprehending what it means to be a Christian and how such a life is lived. It's a concept about life in Christ, and of course, isn't the actual living of it, which happens in daily life in the world with other believers in the church and with the world itself. And we will come back to this much more, starting with the chapter called, Why Bother to be Good? We'll come back to that. Unfortunately, some theologians have tried to join salvation and sanctification together by naming the first step in life being saved by Jesus to be justification. Now, this isn't a bad term for it, since it means being made right with God by the righteousness of Jesus. But they lift the term salvation to include all three, justification, sanctification, glorification, and then fall back into the error that we spoke about earlier, trying to mix in life in Christ, our lived life, back into salvation, when Scripture is very clear, salvation is not something that we do. This wrongly makes any issue seem like a salvation issue. This illustration, by the way, of these boxes connected to each other and with an arrow passing through them displays a concept about life in Christ. 
And while justification isn't such a bad term for the first step in this sequence, promoting salvation as a top category that includes the other three has the unfortunate consequence of making everything a salvation issue. Now, there's a broad, very abstract way in which this is true, but using the term in such a way renders its true meaning unclear and falsely promotes non-essentials as essentials. And even if that isn't the motive, it's still confusing. We should avoid the temptation, even if it helps us defend or promote vital concepts, doctrines, practices, or theologies that are very dear to us. It's a category error. Vital issues can still be treated as important without being given exaggerated rank. Issues of belief and behavior, as important as they may be, and they are important, are issues of sanctification, of being conformed to the image of Christ, of living in harmony with God. They are not issues of salvation. And this brings us, and also sheds light on, a common and important question. Can you lose your salvation? You've become a believer in Jesus Christ. You've accepted his free offer of salvation. You are saved. You are learning to do as he commanded, loving God, neighbor, and even enemy, treating others as you wish to be treated. Can you get yourself unsaved? This is not a trivial question. Great minds in the church have asked and debated it. There are highly regarded theologians who would say, once you are saved, you are always saved. There are others who say salvation can be lost relatively easily. That assertion, however, is not supported by Scripture. It is also tough to fully support the first position. But the assertion that it is easy to lose your salvation is simply not in the Bible. So let's consider the issue with a few examples. Sunday morning, you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You received complete forgiveness from God. You are righteous in his eyes because you have the righteousness of Christ. Monday afternoon at work, you steal a notepad and take it home. Does that make you unsaved? Then on your way home, a truck hits you and you die. Do you die unsaved and go to hell for stealing? Yes or no? No. You are still saved. You have sinned, but you are still saved. You will have regret when you face your Savior, but he will welcome you regardless. Well, what about Galileo? He lived from 1564 to 1642, the astronomer Galileo. The church in his time read scripture and made doctrine from it, but much of this doctrine was formed by concepts the church inherited and embraced from the Greek worldview in which it lived. Simply put, the church read scripture through the lens of Greek philosophy. Now, that might sound funny, but it's true. And we'll look at this in more depth a little later on. Well, when it comes to the essentials of faith, the durability of one's salvation is right up there at the top of many lists. We'll continue sorting through essentials and non-essentials after a quick break. I want to remind you that if you go to whatwebelieveandwhy.com, you can get your own copy of the book. It may help you in your own study. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 